and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm Sarah Sperkbeiner, Senior Reporter for Glossy Pop, and your host for today's episode featuring founder of Chill House, Cindy Ramirez. Cindy founded Chill House, a self-care spot in Soho, in 2017 to solve for a white space she'd observed, a place to get an affordable massage and maybe a manicure too. During COVID, the brand pivoted quickly, ensuring its survival, launching Press on Nails with its signature Cool Girl nail art. It also sells body care products such as scrubs and an in-shower lotion. Today, these products account for around 70% of the brand's business and are sold at retailers like Target and Urban Outfitters. I wanted to talk to Cindy about starting the business after running a blog, Chill House's inception and evolution, and how she chooses the brand's collaborations. Cindy, thanks for being here. Hi, so happy to be here. Although we're not in person, but... I know. I hope someday. Are, where Where are you? I know you're, you live between really Miami and New York. Where are you today? I'm in Miami right now. I'm in beautiful, sunny Miami. I'm jealous. It's cold here. Um... And it's interesting because your 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 baby Chill House, it's brick and mortar, is is in New York. Um, and remind me when the when Chill House first opened. It's not even in the same place it was when it first opened, which we'll talk about. We will talk through it all. Um, we opened in 2017 in the Lower East Side, um, and now our only location is in Soho. Um, so, and we opened that end of 2019. End of 20, and it's bigger and beautiful and a, a real space. And if if you guys are listening and you've never been, I highly encourage you to check it out. It is so gorgeous, and there's there's drinks, there's a cafe. It's really kind of a a, a kind of oasis, right? A self care, a one stop shop, so to speak. So of all things, self care. What were you doing before you founded Shell House? Ooh. Um, it's kind of like a, what's the expression? Um, a jack of all trades, uh, but or something blah blah blah, master of none. What's the expression? It was kind of like one of those. But um, I guess th- the main thing I was doing was running a blog called Taste the Style. That was like my last business prior to founding Chill House, and that was really um, a fun editorial site that I managed that kind of spoke to. Um, just the hospitality industry in general. And then I also kind of mixed in a lot of fashion and beauty, um, founder stories, things like that. And um, that was, I think I had that for a few years prior to Chill House. And at at the same time, my husband was um, starting uh, his business in hospitality. He opened, I think about like two bars by the time we opened up Chill House. He had maybe two running. So I was also helping him with that. Anything ranging from PR to helping you know, forge partnerships, um, just whatever I can do that felt kind of organic to me and things that sort of appealed to me in that in that world. Um, and then at some point I was like, I am craving a physical space. There were a lot of reasons that it all kind of came together. And it, I always say that it's really like a full circle moment having founded Chill House because it's, um, there's so much of my, my background and growing up um, kind of infused with the, the origin story. But yeah, I totally different world. I was in media, kind of, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. And is that sort of how you kind of built your following in a way? Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Full, like early Instagram days, you were just kind of posting pictures. There were no reels, no videos. It was kind of just <laughs> like, 
here's a pic, uh, go to my blog. I don't even know if there was a link in bio, you know, it was like yeah. just tasteofstyle.com. And then the first few months, obviously, if Chill House, I was doing both at the same time. And it became very clear that I just, they were very, very different worlds. One was very like fashion and food. And, you know, obviously Chill House was very wellness and beauty. Um, they didn't really, I mean, they rounded out a lifestyle for sure, but it was kind of no longer who I was. And um, therefore I ended up sort of completely, um, well, folding Taste of Style, but ended up re, um, redirecting the traffic to a, a site called The Chill Times. So we had an editorial site for Chill House for a little bit of time, and we'd love to figure out how to revive it someday. A la, you know, like I feel like there's like a blog revival happening right now. So I, I, I definitely wouldn't say it's um, gone forever. But yeah, we we had a blog as a result of my site sort of folding and wanting to do something with that traffic. That's so interesting. So 2017, you start, and at the time, Chill House obviously had manicures and pedicures. And what, what, tell me about the, you know, original sort of pitch for the business and where the idea came from. The original pitch was really, you know, I was a young 30 something, um, trying to figure out what to do, like on a Saturday afternoon. And it kind of just like came, I came to a head with, with this, like, I couldn't figure out what else to do that didn't involve like drinking and like just like eating and drinking and indulging. And I, I, you know, I was like, I would love to get a massage right now, but it was either, you know, kind of pretty expensive or at least like out of my price range. Or on the other side, there were a lot of experiences that felt kind of seedy in New York and, um, you know, businesses were like, they had like question, questionable business practices. So it felt like there was a huge gap right there in the middle to, um, make massage affordable um, and more of just like a less of a guilt um, to receive, right? To, to indulge in. Um, so it really kind of started with massage. And the more we thought about the space, I, I didn't want to just do one service. I never saw myself as someone that can do one thing. As I said, my background's like kind of all over the place. Um, so I thought about all the different things that we as women, um, mostly women, I guess, wanted to like receive um, on a regular basis when it came to self-care and beauty. And I immediately went to nail um, manicures, you know, was kind of like a weekly occurrence to me. I know that's kind of a lot, but it was, it was like my moment of self-care. It was my moment of putting my phone away. I couldn't touch it. It was just me and the nail tech or like me and my thoughts, my, and my, you know, wired headphones at the time, I guess. Um, <laughs> and I was like, there's just, I feel like the, the pairing of the two felt unique to me. You know, here's a service that was something you can get weekly. And then massages, I think people mostly indulge in like monthly. So here's these like two different sort of services that we now have customer frequency happening with. And then what's the other thing? Like what's something that I also feel like is missing from these spa environments? And that's a really exciting and fun cafe. Um, it's usually when you walk into a salon, it's like you just, you know, get handed a, a green tea or get offered a green tea or a champagne in a spa service, which is all very lovely, but there wasn't a layer of um, creativity or hospitality really happening um, when it came to uh, food and beverage at these spa spaces. So that's kind of how it all came together. So it's like this 
beautiful trifecta of like people just coming in every day, getting their morning matcha because they're in the neighborhood or getting their weekly manicures or gel manicures or bi-monthly. And then of course, you know, getting their monthly massages or when they're hungover, just like popping, you know, popping in um, on the weekends, which is so funny. I feel like in the LES, we saw a lot of that, (laughs) but, but um, that obviously we outgrew that space pretty quickly. And, um, Eventually, we're like, we need to move into a bigger space. So that's how we ended up in Soho. Did you fundraise to open the original Chill House? We did, but it was a pretty modest um, raise. I think we raised around $345,000, which really Mm. was just enough to open up a physical space and maybe cover some other bases, you know, with opening expenses. Um, So it was really, really small. And up until, you know, even now... um, most of our fundraise has been just from friends, families, angels. We haven't raised any institutional capital to date. And mm-hmm. now the company is in, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, quite a different position where you have products, you have retailers, and that, I would guess, is an even bigger percentage of the business than your brick and mortar. Um, and I feel like some of that came out of the brand really making a name for itself on nail art, at least from my observation, you guys definitely had some of the coolest nail art back in 2017. I remember going for manicures and thinking it was some of the, I don't know, like the, 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 the designs were always just not cheesy, whereas a lot of nail art could be kind of cheesy to me. I don't know. That's a personal opinion. Um, But tell (laughs) me about, (laughs) tell me about sort of how, (laughs) yeah, like how it's evolved and how, when when products, uh, you know, retail products became a part of the equation and, and, you know, what the sort of divide is now between the two sides of the business. Totally. So uh, we dabbled in product pretty early on. Um, we actually were a retailer at one point. We curated product. So I, I always have had, uh, I guess, a uh, knack for it. And I've always wanted to explore that side of the business a bit further. However, I think you know, even like having the like small kind of indie retailer side to us, it was a good way to explore what worked and what didn't. So we took a lot of learnings from that. But and we did candles and we did merch and, and things of that nature, things that we didn't have like enough margin, I'd say to wholesale on um, or wholesale in general. And it wasn't until really COVID that happened that was like, okay, we have to figure something out because, you know, the state of retail was super, super rocky at the time, as we all know. And there was this real big opportunity to create products that solved the, you know, at-home salon experience, which is exactly what press-ons are. So, um, yeah, we were just kind of brainstorming one day, trying to figure out what, what was going to be our thing, what's like the main sort of go-to-market product for Chill House. And it felt very, very obvious that it had to be press-ons. Um, I think, you know, even before that idea came to mind, I, I thought polish, like, you know, there, there are all these other nail products that we could have gone to market with, but we are, like you said, known for our nail art. So it just makes the most sense to be able to take our nail art and be, you know, able to give that experience to everyone across the country. Um, it's much more economical too for us to to do that versus open up like 50 stores, which was the other request from our community. It was like, can you open up in this city, in this city, in this city? And like, 
So there were the very two, very, they are very two different business paths. And we ended up, you know, honestly, COVID was the reason we ended up going in the, the product direction quicker than I even thought we would, we would, we were going to. Um, I always thought you had to have like a big name to do, you know, product well. Um, so we just sort of went for it. And of course it, it took off like wildfire because I think, you know, it was the height of the press on sort of wave and we were at the front of it. Um, and it just has kept up momentum. Um, artificial nail just continues to, I think, grow year over year. And so we're, you know, really fortunate in that we kind of saw an opportunity at the right time and have since um, ridden that wave and now are growing obviously into other categories and expanding our nail category. Um, but yeah, it accounts for a fair amount of our business. I'd say like 70%. Press on the loan? Product alone. Product alone. Like 75%. 70, 75%. Uh, 70 to 75% or so. So, okay. So t- tell me when the press ons launched. August of 2020. Okay. A couple months into the... Yeah. The pandemic was still like raging. Um, and, you know, our salon had just reopened and like, you know, COVID mandates were still super like tight and rocky. You know, we could have had to close the salon maybe for like another wave like a month later. So things were still super, super, you know, at the height of it. Yeah. Was that like a kind of a reaction at that point? You were like, oh my God, we need to do something. We had thought about it like right before the pandemic really started. And then we fast-tracked it essentially as a result because it wasn't something that as a small brand, we were like, okay, it's, it's like when you have a little bit of extra funds laying around, then you can kind of jump on it. But it never felt that we had (laughs) extra funds laying around. It was kind of like, all right, now we have, we have no choices. The only thing we can do with whatever money we have left and let's go for it. And it was like, kind of like a Hail Mary moment and it worked. Um, So we're very fortunate in that we could we ended up closing our LES location as a result to our to the pandemic because it just didn't make sense to keep both stores, especially when they were so close to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, uh, didn't suffer much more than that. That's amazing. So for a while, both were open for a little bit of time. No, we ended. I don't think we ever reopened. Maybe we did for a minute. Uh, the other location, they, they, okay. we may have had them open at some point together but no pandemic happened and we basically just said goodbye to the other location okay press ons are such a you know I mean like you said a huge category now what would you say makes has made chill houses press ons you know successful and stand out in the market I think what I was when I was testing out all the different options right I fell in love with how natural ours felt in comparison to some others that I felt on the market. They just felt like natural gel extensions, like very, very, very like not thin because that makes them sound like weak and and like they could break, Mm -hmm. but thin in that they they're durable, but they also just didn't feel like super heavy and like something artificial, like weighing on your natural nail or suffocating your natural nail. So I think that's the first thing that really I, I find to be one of the most unique things. Um, And I think a lot of it really does come down to design and the box is really unique. You know, if you put it in, go to Target, you see like our competitors, they all have like a very specific color palette, whereas ours is very 
vibrant and, and bright and there's a lot of contrast happening. So I think it's it's a combination of quality. Um, you know, our unique, we have our manufacturer, um, we have an exclusivity with this shape. So this is kind of like our signature shape. It's like a really beautiful oval that like complements most hands, I'd say. Mm. Um, and that's sort of like, I think also has helped define us. Like it's a very noticeable, that's a chill house nail. It's like that plus design plus, plus, plus. And, you know, I think because of our designs too, we have had this level of virality that I feel like maybe other press on brands haven't had because we have very definable um, designs that have been in our repertoire since 2017, you know, designs like Wavy Baby, EIC. And these are designs that have stood the test of time and people continue to imitate and, but people know the originals to be chill house. So when someone, you know, sees uh, someone like an influencer or like their favorite TikToker talking into the screen and their hands are like this and whatever, they're like, oh my God, those are chill house, you know, or, you know, it's, it's like that, um, that identity factor I think is what makes this really special. Um, yeah. And then the fact that we have a nail salon and a lot of, a lot of the designs actually are inspired by designs we've created for the store and our customers really love. And you'll be seeing a lot more of that in the new year as well. Like I really want to use our store to do a lot of piloting of sorts, mm. a lot of like consumer testing, things like that to, to make sure like the sentiment is strong and we can kind of take it into a production route. That's definitely a unique edge that you guys have. So do you mean like you would be sort of offering designs on the design menu and secretly be testing them to see if they're popular for press-ons. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. What you mentioned, you know, the nails, the designs being identifiable on TikTok and stuff. What has been sort of like the influencer strategy for the brand? How do you work with um, creators? Yeah, I feel like I'm such an old millennial. I feel like when <laughs> we first started off, it was very simple. It was like seating. It was inviting people in. And um, it was a different time where, you know, people would just kind of post and people would see, you know, your the, the, the post. You would feel the impact a lot. Now it's kind of like you have to go super, um, you have to have like the perfect mix of influencer and um, ambassador strategy happening in order to see what sticks and and hope something sticks. Um, Some of our best, I'd say, um, convertible moments or conversion moments, I'd say, happen not even from like us seating though. It's like normal customers that have purchased or, um, you know, we have one of our most viral moments was from this girl who I think she was an Urban Outfitters employee and she said, she mentioned Urban. So the, a lot of the sales went to Urban, but, mm. you know, it was like chill house. So like, we got a lot of followers from it. We got a lot of like, you know, personal people, like people coming directly to to our dot com. Um, but yeah, she was just, she was a an Urban employee. She wasn't even someone we seated, right? So you just have to kind of trust that, you know, your the product quality, um, is, is there, it's strong. And if enough people have their hands on it, then like influencer strategy aside, like your customers become your influencer strategy, right? Your reviews become your influencer strategy. Um, but of course, you know, doing 
all of the seating is important and having a strong ambassador program is important. Having a UGC strategy for your ads, all of that, you know, it's kind of the perfect storm to hopefully some success digitally. Yeah. And and tell me about the, the retailers the brand works with now. You mentioned Urban Outfitters. Urban was our first brand um, and they're still one of our biggest, um, but Target is obviously our biggest now. Uh, we launched with them in 2023. Um, next year, we're gearing up to really ramp up there, which is really exciting. So yeah, um, wholesale has been a huge part of our business. It accounts for about 50% of our business now, which is really, really big. Um, hoping to obviously, you know, I'd say invest more in our digital and our own personal DTC. But, you know, as I'm sure as you, you know, better than anyone, I think direct is taking a bit of a nosedive due to, yeah. con, you know, competitive ad, um, the competitive ad landscape. So we love that our product moves really well in wholesale. You know, they, it moves really well on, on shelves. Um, we have a great indie strategy too. Um, I, I don't want us to ever just focus solely on like the big box retailers because I do feel like, you know, we were, we started off as an indie brand. We have a lot of grassroots, like in, in brick and mortar in general, that was like part of our origin story. So continuing to, to identify um, the right boutiques for us to be in is, is part of our strategy as well. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with the rest of our episode. And another thing about the brand and about the products, you do a lot of collaborations. Um, recently, Clueless, the movie, uh, Vitamin Water. I know there's some others coming up. Tell me, you know, how do you decide which to do? What's What's the strategy there? Like, do you find that people are reaching out to you about collaborations because they see that, you know, you're a brand that's amenable to them. How do you think about all of that? Yeah, I wish I could say a lot of the, the <laughs> a lot of the partnerships were partnerships that we sought out. Um, they, a lot of them aren't, um, a lot of them are inbound and that's kind of cool too. You know, it's, it's chill house has become a bit of like a distribution slash marketing strategy for some brands that, aren't in the wellness space or aren't in the self-care space, but want to align themselves with that audience because it's such a, such a great, um, robust community of, you know, uh, like young women and like people that are really hyper, hyper connected, um, to that industry and are super, super, um, active in it. So I think that's why Chill House has been sort of on the radar for these brands that are just so, different than ours, right? We did something yeah. with Sonos that's like electronics, like tech. Uh, we did something with PF Flyers recently that's like sneakers, apparel, footwear. Um, and yeah, vitamin water, like beverage. It's <laughs> it's really it's really fun. Um, it's kind of like one of the, the things I love most about what we do is just being able to take another brand's DNA and infuse it with ours and make something really fun come together. Like the vitamin water designs are just so out there, but still so chill house at the same time. If you see them, you're like, whoa, those are so chill house, but the colors and like just how radical they kind of look together. That's very vitamin water, you know? So it's, it, it like takes us out of our comfort zone, I'd say too, you know, cause we have like a specific 
vibe that we try to stick to. And so partnering with another brand really allows us to expand our our design palette. How do you sort of decide whether or not it's going to also benefit you? Like, is that a brand awareness play? Like, what what's your thinking there? Totally. I mean, obviously, you know, one of the reasons has to be, does it, does it make sense economically? Of course. Yeah. Um, the, the second one, of course, does it benefit our community in any way or these designs that they're looking for? Um, that's very important as well. Um, and yes, is there a mutual benefit, of course, to the community aspect of tapping into our, each other's audiences? How can we unlock your audience and vice versa? So those are the three things I'd say that we look for in, in deciding. And does it make sense? Like, do we really want to align with this brand? And if 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 my team needs to convince me, like, it's probably no. You know, if they're like trying really hard to convince me, it's probably no. <laughs> Which have been some of the most successful collaborations? Oh my gosh. I'd say one of the funnest ones for me was PF Flyers just because it was not us doing nails. It was us putting our designs on their shoes. Mm -hmm. So that's the first time I feel like we've been uh, sought out for our designs, you know, going back to just having a very strong sense of brand. That's something we always have been is just like have had a very strong sense of brand. Um, it's really cool to see other, you know, uh, other brands seek out our identity and not just yeah. want to put their identity mix, like infuse their identity into ours. Um, plus, it, you know, obviously fashion. I, I'm like, I, I love being able to to explore different categories that like I, I love. So fashion being one of them. And we we did an incredible photo shoot. It's just one of the most the best produced partnerships I think we've ever done. What, which is your favorite? I love Let It Flow because my white sneakers always get so dirty. And just because, I don't know, I just really love the black ones. Um, but the number one is Wavy Baby, of course. Yeah, that's I, I really like that pair. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that you, this, this past year, stepped a little bit away from nails and really pushed into body care, which, of course, makes sense, you know, like you said, with the background in massage um, and all of that. But... Is there another reason that, or is that sort of why, why this year, um, you know, why make the products you made? Tell me about all of that. Definitely tying it into our story, right? The fact that we have massage, the fact that we do care for your body. Um, I think Chill House has always been about body care and nail care. Um, and that's the original sort of story. Um, it felt like, we had to do it now, just given so much competition was kind of coming out with body care this past year. And we're like, okay, if we're going to do it, I feel like now's the time because we're making space for it for ourselves and we're carving out a space for it in the industry. So we, we launched with Steam Room, which is our all over face and body mist. And I, we chose that product because I really steam rooms are my favorite service of all, like, or not favorite, service, like a fav my favorite amenity, spa service, whatever you call it of all time. Um, I wish I had one in my apartment, <laughs> but it's kind of, they're kind of, they're, they're hard to, to just build anywhere. We don't have one, unfortunately. 
Anyways, um, I wanted a product that embodied that since we don't have that in at Chill House. I'm like, what? How can we create a product that feels like that experience in a bottle? So that's so that's what that is. Um, and kind of similar similarly with all of our other hero products, I wanted to create something that felt like a spa service in a jar or in a bottle or in a, you know, whatever the vessel is. Um, and that's the proposition I'd say with our body products. Um, but also expanding on that, how do we also create products that feel a little bit more affordable too? Um, you know, these are products that kind of sit in like the $38 range. Um, and we wanted to also think about how do we kind of recreate the success of our chill tips in a way that it makes sense for our body line, um, in a way that it ties into our story and who we are and what we are about and how do we create that chill for our customers um, in, in a way that it all kind of ties together in a perfect bow. So we launched Chill Soaks um, in August of 2023. And those are uh, our beautiful transdermal body soaks. They have um, they have a very specific function per pack. It's three. We, we, love, we love sets of three. If you know anything about us, you know that we love to launch collections in threes. So we launched a collection of three soaks. Uh, one's the Listen Me Up, which is sort of like the muscle melter um, soak. One's the Chill Me Out, which is exactly what it does. It has <laughs> really powered, powered by uh, magnesium and chamomile. And then Make Me Glow um, is just like super soothing body soak so and has like a little bit of mica so you kind of like literally leave with a bit of a glow and like the softest skin of your life um and those sit in the 16 dollar range and those are just more giftable more like you know they they they're very similar in 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 essence i'd say to chill tips um and we want to you know be able to do a hybrid of both when it comes to body care so thinking about your body care routine on a day-to-day basis and how do we show up for you um in that way and then what are more of these like fun expressive moments when it comes to body care you know being able to like really like uh relish and like the make me glow uh soak and and this is not something that like you know you normally wouldn't you wouldn't do like on a day-to-day basis, much like our tips, but you can indulge in it like once every two weeks or something. Um, so those are kind of, that's sort of the strategy I'd say with body care and, and being able to find holes in the space or I guess white space, um, where it, it, you know, we're able to bring something really exciting and fun to that market. Um, while also, you know, keeping up with uh, what we're trying to do on our end when it comes to PD. Do you plan to sort of continue to grow in that space in body care? I'd say so. I'd say next year, you definitely will see more maybe soak variations from us and one mm-hmm. other hero product line that we want to expand on um, that we see a little bit of white space in. So TBD on that. Um, when it comes to nail care, though, there's a lot left for us to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we have just sort of this past year expanded on nail shapes. We were so, we were doing so well with these that it was just like, let's go like just more designs in this shape. And then we're like, wait, for, I forget that people love square nails. And I forget that people love like <laughs> almond and, you know, 
Um, so definitely more variety when it comes to shape, size, and even textures and things like that mm. for press-ons. But then just innovation in general when it comes to nail care. Um, and I really would like to figure out how to fuse hand, like nail care, hand care, and body care and have them feel like one, like a very um, organic, like they're, they're very parallel categories in my opinion. Um, yeah. I don't know if people see it that way, but I want people to see them that way. So there's definitely going to be a little bit of a, a fusion of, of, um, of the categories I'd say. I feel like hand care has become a beauty category after the pandemic, especially. Totally. Like, I definitely see what you mean there. And, mm-hmm. and taking it back to your, your roots, like where, what is, what goes on at the, at the flagship today and how has it changed since 2017? Uh, what goes on? I mean, we have expanded our product. Oh, sorry, our uh, service assortment. So we added facials. We've added peels. We're actually uh-huh. launching acupuncture in two weeks, which is really Amazing. fun. I know. I want to test a lot more um, services. I'm not saying that I want to always have those services be in-house, but like I would love to also explore partnering with other service providers and kind of using maybe one of the rooms as a bit of like a, uh, you know, just the hosh, a hosh posh of services where we activate with different uh, providers and, and do cool things. Um, I don't know, ranging from like maybe lashes to Reiki to um, just, you know, things that we, we ourselves aren't necessarily known for or thought of for, but like, you know, giving our community um, something to look forward to. Do you have any thoughts on sort of like uh, and like upcoming nail trends or how that space will change? Like, I feel like, you know, there's always something, whether it's like the shape that's in style is changing or the kind of art, like what are you seeing in terms of, uh, you know, it, it's fascinating and amazing that like you said, like wavy baby and um, which to our our viewers who don't know, it's like how how I'll let you describe it. I won't try to describe it. How would you describe your your bestsellers that have, like you said, stood the test of time? That one is like just it's so simple. It's just a white nail with black squiggles. So yeah. if you if you see a white nail with black squiggles, just know that's Chill House, and <laughs> whoever you're seeing it from is definitely copying us. like we invented that I know it doesn't sound that inventive but it is it's a very specific look and feel and it's been oft copied basically oh yeah 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 time and time again is that still the bestseller I have to get back to you on that I mean I think it it ranges depending on um that's like seasonless I'd say it's yeah like evergreen or bestseller but you know whenever we introduce something that feels new and like kind of has a bit of a, a nail trend uh, thing attached to it, then that does the best. So like Sea Siren, we launched that uh, this past summer during like the mermaid trend. And it's just, it's still one of our best sellers because it's this beautiful sort of seafoam green and it's like, uh, has like a cat eye effect to it, but also velvet nail effect to it. And it has like, you know, this dual thing happening. It's, it's gorgeous. Um, so that's like our bestseller probably this year Okay. for not as far as volume goes. Yes. Wavy baby. Oh, probably has surpassed most things, mm. most designs, but what am I going to see in nail 
Yeah, trust. yeah. What do you think? Or for 2024, any predictions? Oh, that's so hard. I, I, I don't, I don't actually know, to be honest. I think you're just going to see (laughs) nail. It's kind of like this weird, there's, there are so many similarities when it comes to nail art and, and fashion in general. And like this, um, like that's where I look for inspiration. If I'm being completely honest, divulging my, uh, my superpower when it comes to like looking forward is like, I look at, yeah, I mean, spring, summer trends, um, in fashion and what, what's happening there. And, um, and then also tying it into like, well, where, what color, what color story haven't we told? What design story haven't we told? And then that's kind of how we make a lot of our design decisions. Um, and also making sure that it's aligned with what's happening in fashion. Um, so that's what we do. I, I don't, I'm not like one to really look at what our competitors do. Um, a lot of them obviously have thought about the entire sort of nail salon experience. And, you know, I think there's already a ton out there and there's a ton out there that's non-branded too. Um, that I think a lot of people sort of are just like, ah, I don't need a chill house nail file. Like I could just get that on Amazon, you know? And like, I don't care. I don't have like a brand, um, loyalty to certain products. So I think maybe, maybe that's one thing we'll continue to see more of is like, there's just going to be, there, there are going to be products that people are going to be super loyal to. And then other types of tools or accessories or, or things that just accentuate your nail experience that you don't care. You just like buy it at a drugstore or you, you know, buy it on Amazon. And I think we're going to see a huge return to drugstore products, honestly. Like, I think we're starting to see so much more, um, a lot of brands that we are, we trust and grew up with, um, heading into drugstore. So that's really interesting to see like the, you know, brands that are only like three years old that, rose up during the pandemic that are already like in Walgreens and CVS, you know, maybe not CVS, but other ones. Oh, the selection at the drugstore is so different than when I was growing up. It's like, you can get some great, great beauty products at drugstores. It's wild. Yeah. Totally. Like, whereas like, I would have never thought to shop, I guess with the exception of polish, I would have never thought to, to shop like, you know, certain beauty products at a nail salon when I was like in my teens or twenties, whereas now I'm like, I can totally buy this. And I feel like people that were, that are that age are starting to, to feel like they see the brands they like there. Yeah, no, totally. So, okay. So new, more services, more body products, anything before we wrap up, anything else you can tell us about the sort of, um, 2024 and the future of Chill House? Um, I'm just excited to grow and and develop all these things that we have in the pipeline that I kind of alluded to. Um, I think for me, it's, it's kind of going back to the store and thinking about how to really activate our community there in ways that it also crosses over into product. Um, really, you know, infusing our products into our services and and getting straight feedback from the horse's mouth kind of thing. I think that is where we sometimes lack a slight disconnect. 
And I really want to be able to bring it all home, bring it all together and make sure we're, we're using that space to our advantage too. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's such a great place to gather and get real life feedback or, you know, test things with, and, you know, it's kind of sky's the limit. And, and, and that's our, and that, that's our advantage really when it comes to, um, our competitors don't have that. <laughs> Yeah, you mean sort of in terms of inviting people into the space for kind of community events and stuff like that. All that, yes. Having a landing pad to to get that direct consumer feedback, I think, is something yeah. that is really special and we need to do more of. So I'm excited to do much more of that, many more in-person events, something that we're, we've been really trying to lean into this year way more. Obviously, the pandemic put a pause on things. Um and now that we're like pretty much out of it, it's just like, you know, really want to uh, like double down on our efforts there for sure. One more question about that, because I feel like community has been a massive focus of my coverage this year. And yeah. the brands that, you know, I'm, I'm looking at are, are all doing interesting things around community. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me sort of about Chill House is community strategy. I'd say we're still developing it and working on it. And, you know, we've had a community um, in our ecosystem for obviously almost seven years now. And I definitely have a lot of people that have been loyal to us from day one and still love us uh, or have like now found new ways to engage with us. Maybe they don't live in New York anymore, but they like love our press on. So they still buy them in LA Um, or they live in New York, but and they come in every month to get their monthly massage, but they don't really engage with our products. So it's kind of interesting to see how people use Chill House. Um, I'd say the biggest thing for us is, you know, we have so many loyal customers and I think there's so much more we can be doing with them. So how do, how do we make our best customers, our influencers and our ambassadors and all that, um, there are great programs for that that we're still kind of investigating like TYB and like even yeah. like Geneva yeah. and like being able to do so much more when it comes to just like living outside of like Instagram and the, and the social channels. Like, you know, those could be such like, there, there's just not, the engagement isn't what it maybe once used to be. So like, where do we activate the people that really love us that don't always get to see our content because it gets lost in the sauce or they're just not as engaged in general on these platforms because there's so much fatigue happening. So where do we bring them? What what platforms are they? And how do we continue rewarding them? Um, that's the biggest, I'd say, question mark for the new year and what like looking at like um, like-minded brands and seeing what's worked for them and, and kind of, um, seeing where we fall within that, that landscape. Um, cause I'm sure what works for one brand may not work for us, but you know, for the most part, we kind of know, we have a good sense of like what our customers would love and, and maybe won't be as like engaged with. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been such an interesting conversation. Thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Glossy Beauty Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us out. And of course, visit glossy.co slash beauty for even more coverage of the beauty industry. Emma Sandler will be hosting next week. Bye.